following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Hard to believe uh, that we've reached this point so quickly. Blink, it seemed like it was just January, or we were just celebrating Christmas in December. Um, and you know, I, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful to uh, to share this message. Um, it always uh, weighs me down. Uh, you can ask my family that as I'm going through it. Uh, you know, uh, it's not that I'm not joyful. It's just there's weight to it, and I just carry it. Um, but it also rekindles my faith, and it re-energizes my soul uh, as the Lord reveals His truth to me. And I'm just so grateful to to bring it to you today. Uh, and I pray that the Lord will rekindle and re-energize you today as well. Uh, what we have learned, and what we continue to learn, is that uh, we are we must abide, right? We must dwell uh, in order for us to shine. It's it's imperative that we. That we hear that, right? That that uh, that you know we we plug in, that we kind of reset ourselves, and and in each month we have that opportunity, right? Because we can walk through the word, and it's very easy for us to take it for granted, maybe not be as connected as we as we could. But a month, once a month, we have the opportunity to to refocus, to reset, to remember that we're called, that we're called to be a witness, that we're called to be a disciple, that we've been given a task by our Lord to go out and share this message. And so today I pray that you would be energized, uh, that the Lord is with you, that you'll never forget that, and that, um, that we not become complacent, and that if you're feeling solid and you're in a good place with the Lord, that's awesome. Um, be on guard for blind spots. And if you're, if you're weighed down by so much that you can't even see straight, don't give up. Be encouraged. And I say that each time I'm up here because I'm speaking to myself. And if I'm going through it, I know somebody else is going through it too because there are challenges that come up every single day. But he promises never to leave you nor forsake us. So seek his guidance. Be intentional. Be sincere. Stop and listen. The Lord will reveal himself to you. He's working even when we can't see it. There is a misconception that uh, our culture likes to talk about, that the Lord will never give you more than he can handle, than you can handle, sorry, (laughs) he can handle all. That's not true. That is not what the Bible says. And I know Pastor Colin has mentioned it before, uh, but it's something we need to hear. In 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13, he says, therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide you the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. See, we believe we're in control of the events of our lives. We get bogged down when we do that. We struggle. We try harder. If I just try harder, I can overcome these circumstances. Um, It's exhausting, isn't it? The Lord brings us to a place when we're weak. He allows us to get to that point. Why? So that we would rely and trust fully on Him. That's why. And when we do that, we are strong. It's His strength. That's the message there. So whatever you're going through, 
Remember, God wants you. He wants all of you. He loves you. He cares for you. He doesn't want us to try harder. He wants us to trust. He wants us to to submit. He wants us to seek to know his heart. That is so, so good. We, as uh, especially here in the West, I guess, Western culture, we don't like to let go of things. We like to control things. It's not in our DNA. We want to figure things out on our own. We want to stand in the place of God. We can say that we recognize God, but we do, do we really fully, truly accept that? And so today that'll be part of our discussion is we recognize who God really is. But this can become an obstacle for us when we try to hold on tight, when we try to control things, when we don't let our Lord direct our path. And so Lord God, I pray, please help us submit our desires and our will to yours. Show us the blind spots in our lives. Reveal your intentions. Strengthen us. Give us your wisdom. And may we find joy in this journey as we follow Jesus. Our Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. So as I mentioned, today's message is Christmas in July. Um, We know that there's lots of retail opportunities, right? It's kind of the end of July, so maybe those things are over. Probably not. Extended for another week. Today's message, I promise you, has nothing to do with Santa Claus or retail sales. Um, uh, I can tell you uh, a funny story real quick, though. I was Santa Claus once, and while I was, and it was a Christmas in July sale, my very first job, I was working at a sporting goods store, uh, the Sports Odyssey, down in uh, South Florida, and uh, we lived in one of those kind of community malls, or not lived, that's where the mall was, I didn't live there, uh, and they decided, spur of the moment, brought in a Santa suit, and you're the guy. Now, I was much skinnier then, so it was really a hard sell. Um, but the point was made, we have special promotions and special sales, and we're going to draw customers in because of this, you know, idea, this commercialization of Christmas. That is not what this message is about. You see, um, we're talking about walking in the light, right? The, the message today, the, the verse, verse uh, 7, uh, 1 John 1, 7, is, is about walking in the light. Um, that's going to be our focus and how that relates back to the truth of Jesus coming as a baby in a manger, and here how the, the, the message actually got the title was because, as, as many of you know, and oftentimes I'll share lyrics to a song that might have moved me uh, in the preparation for a sermon, for a message. And because we've been focusing on the light of, of, of Jesus, um, I was literally creating a playlist with the, the heading, the subject line being light of the world. And there's lots of songs, um, but the first two that came up were Christmas songs. They're almost exclusively played at Christmas time. Lauren Daigle has a song called Light of the World. Chris Tomlin has one. We've actually sung that here. Um, and it just dawned on me, as, 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 and there were several others, and there was a few more that were predominantly 
intended to be a song that is played during the Christmas season. The Lord was revealing something. It is this entire Shine series that we are talking about each month. And the Lord wanted to remind me to go back to that event. To the, to the, to the manger. To the birth of Christ. To the light of the world coming in to the world. That precious baby, Emmanuel, God with us. The foundation of every sign message is the light of the world. And he tells us that we are salt and light as a result of his shining through us as believers. And so this is where the story, the Christmas story, the Christmas message came from. And I'm just grateful. Now we all love Christmas for different reasons, but I think all of us in here comes back to that event because Jesus had to be born for him to be crucified, right? And, and all of the prophecies that had to be fulfilled, it was required. The Lord set it all up in perfect precision. And as believers, it never gets old. The Bible tells us that long before the birth of Christ, selfishness, say that five times fast, sorry, selfishness first showed itself with Adam and Eve. Breaking the relationship with God, the separation of, with God. It had impacted our world ever since. And the human race was destined to be separated from our Creator. We needed restoration, but how? Enter the baby, Jesus. And as believers, we see Christmas as the beginning of God's answer to that eternal separation. Because we cannot make peace with God by ourselves, despite how we might think so or try. So God sent his son. And in this story, we see the angels appeared to the shepherds on the night Jesus was born, and they declared peace on earth, goodwill towards men. It's always good to hear that story, no matter time of year. But this is not the type of peace that ends conflict or wars, brings peace between individuals. No, it's the peace that means people and God are no longer separated from each other. It is an offer of true peace that lasts forever. God has offered the solution to our human problem, to our sin. And it is how it is possible for us to bring it forward and walk in the light. Praise God. So by entering the world as a baby, Jesus, God's Son, stepped into this broken world to give everyone the chance to be back in a relationship with Him. He freely offered a way back. He came down from the throne to our level to lift us back up. And in the meantime, that we would shine His light. It brought His plan and it brought forth the reality of restoration. He showed us a way back to Himself. 
to pay the price for all our sin, our selfishness, our pride, our wrongdoing. He made a way for our failures to be wiped away to live again forever. Amen. You see, we, are, we celebrate the arrival of Jesus. We are the real peace on earth and goodwill of God himself. We celebrate that. And Jesus' arrival showed us that God loves us more than we can possibly imagine. He made us a way to be restored and live forever with Him. And when we stop and truly think about that, and even we don't, it's not a message we need to think about only during December. That's an everyday message. Jesus came to save people from their sin. All those who put their trust in Him will be made right and will walk in the light of Jesus. I say amen. Now we look at John 8, verse 12. And Jesus is speaking specifically and it reminds us again, and I'll come back to this verse because it's so prominent, but again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world, and they will have the light of life. That's our opportunity to shine, to be sincere, to seek him, and to not get bogged down by false doctrine. And for those that don't believe, most people still celebrate Christmas for other reasons, and there's still hope that they too will accept the truth that the God of all creation came down as a baby, grew to a man, suffered a horrendous death, rose again, and is now seated back on the throne of God to defeat sin and death. We have studied the shine theme each month. We sought to connect the light of the world to our lives. We have studied the calling we have to be the light as Jesus explained in Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. This is essentially the, the verses that are the foundation of the, sh the shine theme for our year. And it says, it reads, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Shine. This is the connection. The light of the world came to save. He imparted his truth to his apostles, which was spread throughout the world. This message has made its way here today. It is a Christmas message. It absolutely is. Praise the Lord. Okay. Let's get to the, to the text finally, right? Come on, get on with it. Praise God. Because these are things that I stumbled on through study, through meditation, through prayer. And I'm just so thankful. And, and so the context here in 1 John, as we go back to our text is John is, is believed to have been writing 
to believers who needed to hear this message because there is a, an emphasis on some false doctrine, particularly Gnosticism. He's writing what is believed in Ephesus during this epistle. And it is essentially modern-day Turkey. And the essence of it is to remind believers. Now this is about 30 to 40 years believed after the, the death of Christ. About anywhere between 70 and 100 AD. They believe. But Gnosticism is taking hold in many. And it's not that different than what we have today with people who are spreading a false message. A progressive Christianity message or a message that you're God. And we'll talk more about that. But Gnosticism was kind of this, this attempt to find secret knowledge. And John is explaining clearly no, there's only one truth. He explains in his epistle later on as to why he wrote this epistle. 1 John 5, 13-15. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence we have toward Him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. That is why he's writing it to believers, to have confidence, and to know that they have eternal life by believing, by trusting their lives to Jesus. He's also, but he's speaking specifically in the text that there's categories of people. And that's really where this text takes hold. Categories of individuals, these Gnostics, as I mentioned, believing essentially that there's two worlds, a spirit world and a physical world, and that no way, no how would Jesus, God, a spirit figure, would come down to this filthy world. Wouldn't happen. And so in the meantime, you have to take care of that on your own here in this filthy world. You're God. The physical world is evil, and there's no way Jesus would come here. John is pointing out this is a false doctrine. He writes about the character of believers as compared to non-believers. That's what he's focusing on. He's writing about the way we carry ourselves as individuals, as to who we are in Christ. He's not writing about what happens in our lives. He's not writing about anything else but our character. True believers. Characterized by obedience, following the word, trusting Jesus, as opposed to disobedience. He's writing about our walk with the Lord. So it may not sound like a Christmas message, Christmas message when you put it in those terms. And I pray, God willing, that when we're finished, it will. Our memory verse for the month was 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. 
We'll come back to that. <laughs> we'll jump to verse 5 to start off this study and basically just kind of point out where John is going with this message. This is the message we have heard, verse 5. From him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. John is very clear here. God is light. God is holy. When he says, we have heard from him, he's talking about from Jesus. In the law, there's this this, uh, exceptions for um, character witnesses. And one of those things that comes up often is, you know, is a person known for their honesty in a community? Is a person known for a certain characteristic in the community? And there's certain exceptions when that evidence can come into a case. He's talking about his character. He's talking about Jesus' character in verse 5. Because we've heard from him. We've seen it. And he's pointing out that God is light and that God is holy. And in his holiness, there's no darkness at all. See, there's darkness in every one of us here today. The perfect lamb, none. He's saying, look, there is a God. He's sovereign. He's pure. He's writing to these believers to make sure that they know that there is a God. That there's not some bifurcation, some split scenario where there's a God up here and a God. He's saying Jesus came. He was physically here. He came to save us from sin. And let us never take that for granted. Is that not the starting point for all of us as believers? Character. This is a a, a discussion on character. Who we are. So if God is where we start, can you now start to see maybe this is a Christmas message? At least that's how it was illuminated to me. That God came down, fully human, all these physical characteristics of man, being fully divine at the same time. God. And as believers, we believe Jesus is God. That's the difference between true Christianity and every other religion, faith, philosophy. He is one person in the Godhead of three with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. He was there in Genesis 1. He was there in John 1. He's there throughout the Old Testament. He came to earth to save the world from sin. So we go back to character. What is the standard that we're using to measure our righteousness, our walk? Are we with God? Of course, that's where we begin. God is always the starting point. We don't measure character and righteousness against each other. At least we shouldn't. I think we do. I know I do. Forgive me. Dear Lord, God and the Word are the standards we measure against. You might know that I'm a Steelers fan. Don't don't hate me. We can't win every Super Bowl. But (laughs) 
the current coach, and my son is, is probably laughing hysterically deep down when he hears me talk about this because he knows, but he says the standard is the standard. That's his quote. He says it all the time, every week. If he's doing a uh, press conference, that's what he says. The standard is the standard. And that makes great sense because the Steelers have a winning history in, in my lifetime, although I was a little nub when the first coach was there, but pretty much for the, when I was awake and could actually understand football, there's only been three coaches, which is, that's the standard. Quality, success, right? Winning, that's not even near the standard of God. The standard is God. Standard is the word. We're not measured by other people. We're not measured by looking at others, what they do, what, we're, what they're not doing. It begins with the existence of God, and we're not him. Isn't that what the Gnostics were trying to do? Establish themselves as God on earth? And sadly, there's Gnosticism today. It's not called that. But postmodernism, cultural relativism, these are terms that are very common in our culture these days. And what is it talking about? It's talking about people who are essentially making their own truth. My truth. There's no absolute truth. False. Sorry to say. The idea that if you believe it, you can achieve it. That was something when, as I was growing up was very common. And you still hear it from time to time. This is modern day Gnosticism. And it's infecting our culture. It's affecting our world. And the message of Jesus Christ and the good news of the gospel is as important today as it was when John was writing it in 1 John. And so let's just take a quick look at the gospel of John. A, a reminder that we need to hear. First, excuse me, John chapter 1, 4 through 10. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about, about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. That's our Jesus, the light, the light of life. God is life, God is light, God is holy, and there's no darkness in him at all. Not even a little bit. Even on our best day, we can't measure up. And I'm not trying to be negative or sound condescending. I'm speaking to myself and I'm saying, I am so thankful that there's a God who came to take away my darkness. Because Jesus is the true light for everyone. The Christmas child has come and he grew up. And he gives light to everyone, praise God. Now we look at verse six in our text. We see this distinction John is making. 
clarifying the two categories of camps of society at that time of who he was writing to. In verse 6 he says, he writes, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And so those who follow Jesus are characterized by light. It's his light, right? We're like the moon. We have no light of our own. We have to remember that. As bright and as shiny as you may be on any given day, the kindness and the, and the energy that, that abounds off of you comes from Jesus, comes from God. He writes that our walk with the Lord, our lifestyles, how we live, who we are, needs to match what we say and do. Otherwise, we lie and the truth is not in us. The way we live is key. The fruit we produce, the the spiritual fruit that we produce when we trust our lives to Jesus. That's how we're measured by God through his standard. Are we walking in the light? He's not talking about a dark moment where we sin. Because guess what? Probably everyone in this room is going to sin before the day is done. He's not talking about a stumble or a moment where you fall down and, and, and sin, where you fall short. He's talking about how we're characterized and how we are known by God from now into eternity. That's the key distinction. So we need to ask ourselves, who are we? Do we belong to Jesus? Or do we belong to the darkness? Belong. How are we living? And do our lives look like light the light of Jesus or darkness, the enemy. These are solid reminders in these scriptures I'm about to read. We're talking about character, who we are. Psalm 36, 9. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we do see light. It's only through the light of Jesus that we shine. Daniel 2, 22. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. Talking about the light of God. And we'll go back to John eight twelve. Never gets old. We should remember every single day. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is a key point. It's not a bouncing back and forth moment. This is what the, the, the crux of this teaching just opened my eyes. We'll get into this in verse 7 and 9 in just a moment. So back to verse 7, our memory verse. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. All sin. This is not if-then. 
This is not a word problem. Okay? John is not saying that your good works bring you to fellowship with others in Jesus. No, it's the other way around. He is saying that you walk in the light because the blood of Jesus cleansed you. Not the other way around. We walk in the light after we have trusted Jesus with our lives. When we bow down to Jesus, our King, it is at that moment that we're cleansed and washed clean by the blood of Jesus forever. Our character is not that of a believer, is now that of a believer. One who walks in the light of Jesus forever. And this is a key distinction in this, in this text. And we are in fellowship with other believers. Certainly with non-believers. We might have some fellowship or sense of fellowship. Certainly our calling to be a disciple and to disciple others does not end. But as you probably all have experienced at some point in your life that there is a, a conflict when you don't have the foundation of Jesus in your life between your brothers and sisters. It's different. You shouldn't be different. But the relationship is different. We're not in a sense of unity. We love them nonetheless. But we're in fellowship with one another and we're in fellowship with God when we trust him with our lives. This is not a bouncing back and forth moment that every time I sin, I have to go back and confess because if I don't, well, then I'm not saved. That's false. If we walk in Jesus, we walk with Jesus, who is the light, then we are spiritually connected to him and other Christians forever. We belong to each other because we belong to him. And we're forgiven of all sin. It does not go back and forth. No amount of guilt can change that, by the way. And the enemy will speak lies to you all day long if you let him. Don't let him. Shine. We believers have all been cleansed from all sin, and that is why this is a Christmas message, amen, that this is why Jesus came. He came to save us from our sin. When we trust him with our lives, we have life. We are a new creation, and so we have the ability from the power of the Holy Spirit to shine his light, to be the light. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's not temporary. It's not just for today and I make a mistake, I stumble, I sin, I say something I shouldn't say. If you're sincere, God knows your heart. That's the key. Only God knows. And that's why we go to him. John 12, 35. And Jesus, so Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. It's not temporary. John 9, 5. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. It was Jesus speaking clearly that he is the light. 
and that when we have relationship, fellowship with him, we become his light for others to see him. It's not about us. And that's a problem for us sometimes. I know it is for me. Our lives are characterized by unity with one another, by the fact that we've been washed by the blood of Christ, that we are cleansed, and this is why we walk in his light. This is who we are, back to the character. So I'm encouraging you today to believe that, to walk in the light, have faith. Every day is a new day and you're a new creation in Jesus. His mercies are new every single morning. But your salvation didn't change from yesterday to today. It's the same. And his light continues to shine and we know in the book of Revelation there's several verses that speak to his unapproachable light that the sun won't even be necessary in Revelation 20, 21, 23. John writes, and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Jesus is our light. He's the lamp. So let's walk in his light. Praise God. In verse 8, and now we begin to kind of see the unfolding as the comparisons of different categories that John is being intentional about. He says, he writes, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. He's talking about the Gnostics. The people of this day are denying sin. They believe they're God. We can, as I said earlier, postmodernists cultural relativists. These are people who are trying to say that their truth is the truth. That they are God. And we do it to a certain extent ourselves probably a little bit each day without even knowing it. These people are deceived. This verse is written about unbelievers. The Gnostics believe that you could be fully sanctified on earth. We know that not to be the case. Sanctification takes time. And our ultimate glorification comes on a day when we no longer live here, but we go to be with our Lord in heaven. They're denying the truth. They're denying absolute truth, that there even is such a thing. John is not writing about a Christian, a believer, a sincere believer who falls down, who stumbles because we've been forgiven, past tense. We know what Jesus said when he was on the cross. He said, it is finished. It is accomplished. It's done. Past tense. He's talking about those who believe they're forgiven and their salvation is finished. There are consequences though. And I think that's the, the point of verse eight. John three nineteen to 21. And this is the judgment 
The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. I don't know about you. We all have bad days. We have moments. But we want to be in the light. We tend to hide when we're feeling like we're failing or believing the lies of the enemy. But in Jesus, we have eternal light, eternal life. John three thirty six. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. There are consequences. This is what John is saying in verse 8. Isaiah 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shown. It's available. Romans 1.20 says, Let no man, no man has an excuse to know that there is a God. Everything around us. So how do we know if somebody is a believer or is cleansed? Because they walk in the light. And what does that look like? Sincerity. Truth. Desire to be in unity with one another. Those who walk in darkness don't want to be exposed by the light. That's what John is referring to. They hide. They don't want to be in fellowship with others, especially believers. But even for them, there's hope in Jesus. And that's our prayer. Not to leave them, but to be a living, breathing example, a shining light that others will see Him through us. And we get back to the character mode. How do we know? Who we are. It's how we live. How we breathe. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now I'm going to tell you, this is where the weight of this study just opened my eyes. I was humbled by it. Because many people look at this verse and they think that they have to continue to go back and ask forgiveness for every single sin that they've ever done. And I'm here to tell you that's not true. Because you can't. Because there's sins that you've already forgotten about. There's sins you don't even know that you did. It's impossible. And I'll be honest, there are some Christians, believers, who think that that's required. That your last act before you're taken up has to be confession. Otherwise, your salvation's in question. That is false. That is not what he's saying here. It is finished, it is done, it is accomplished. It's impossible for you to confess every sin 
at least by specifics is what I mean. And certainly, it's better for us to just lump them all into one big fat pile and say, Lord, forgive me. But as we go through this walk of life, as we're being sanctified and as we're learning and studying and knowing the heart of God and how much He loves us, our desires line up with His desires. It's not based on some work you do to ensure your salvation. Jesus knows your heart. He said what I did on the cross is enough. There's no bouncing back and forth like I mentioned earlier. This is not the intent. If you believe that every time you sin, you must ask for forgiveness to remain saved, you are mistaken. And that verse is used for that purpose. We are saved by the blood of Christ. We are cleansed by the blood of Christ. This is why Jesus came, was born in a manger, suffered, died, was raised again, and sits on the throne of God. Because it's finished. We don't lose our salvation if we commit a sin. Because it goes back to our character. Who are we? As believers, we are now known in our character by our salvation as a child of God. Don't you forget it. And don't you let the enemy tell you lies. Because he will. Don't let him in. Now, this comes down to sincerity. Again, God knows your heart. God knows your mind. God knows your every hair on your head. But there's not some other act that has to take place to ensure your salvation. There's one thing. It's recognizing that He is Lord. Because whether you recognize it or not, He is But when you do and you recognize that you need a sinner, that you're a sinner and that you need a savior, that's when it happens. You humbly, sincerely ask God to come in and you're cleansed by the blood of of Christ that that took place on the cross and it's finished. We've been freed. Now we're known in our character by our salvation and we're justified. We're imputed righteousness. Ricardo Sanchez is a, is a Christian musician. He says, the devil knows your name and calls you by your sin. But God knows your sin and calls you by your name. When you trust him, you're his. And he does know your name and you are the apple of his eye. God does not have some long list of sin. Well, you didn't ask for that one. You didn't ask for forgiveness for this one. That's not how it works. We are pardoned of all our sins, past, present, and future. And it's through Jesus Christ that is even possible. Now, does this mean we should not confess our sin? That's not what I'm saying either. We should. For different reasons. Not to ensure our salvation. Not for extra credit. 
because when we sin, when we're walking in, in the light of the Lord, we recognize our sin. We're grieved as God is for our sin. We want our desires to line up with His. That's why we confess. But it doesn't create salvation. That's done. And of course, one of the other arguments with this verse is that one can take what I've just said and sin recklessly. To go around and abuse the grace that we've been given. The unmerited favor that we've been given by Jesus. And by no means is that the case either. Paul says so in Romans 5.20. By no means are we to abuse grace. Stop doing it. Turn from it. Repent. Praise God for the forgiveness that, that is already in place. That's the key. Can you do that? Do you believe that? Romans 6.13 Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Some translations refer to slaves. We're slaves to righteousness once we become believers. Just be careful. Don't deny the, the finished work of Jesus. Confess, yes. Be humbled, yes. But be free. Be free. Because we've been washed clean. And our confession that we would make marks us, uh, our sincerity, our intentionality as true believers. Why? Because God is the light. And we want to continue to walk in the light. We want to have Him use us the way He wishes. You see, we're not sinning in darkness anymore when we become believers. We didn't just move over to the darkness because we had one bad day. When we truly, sincerely love the Lord, we're frail, we're broken. But we're sinning in the light. And it's illuminated for us. And we see it. And we ask God to forgive us for that moment. But it's not a matter of our salvation. Because we celebrate the Lamb of God who's taken away the sins of the world. We're totally forgiven. Simple and profound. But we need to hear it day in and day out. You're not in darkness. You're in light. Be the light. Walk in the light. You are forgiven. Verse 10, if we say we have sinned, if we have say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Again, we are characterized as those who continue to confess often and as much as possible. We should not abuse the grace of God. But it's not, confession is not a work added to our salvation. No, we are not sinless. But in God's eyes, we are. The imputed righteousness comes from the blood of Christ. We've been granted a pardon from death row by his precious blood. And yes, our sin should grieve us. 
And we should ask that we be freed from it at that moment, but it's not a condition of salvation. Holy Spirit, move in us that the desire to sin is removed from our fleshly minds and bodies. And may we shine the light of Jesus and walk in it daily. Because we are free. I do have some questions, uh, some application points for you to think about, for you to pray about, but how do you believe you're known by God? How are you walking? In the light or the darkness? Do you believe that you've been forgiven completely? What is your attitude towards sin? Does it grieve you? Do you see yourself as saved once and for all? I pray that that is clear to you. And just in case you weren't sure, this message was for you. Does the life of Christ and the light of Christ, does it reside and shine in you? So the truth of the Christmas message is that the only way to walk in the light is by the cleansing work of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. The greatest gift of all mankind was that Jesus came to take away the sins of the world. Our light is Jesus' light. Brings us, this message brings us to remembering why Jesus came. It is meant to encourage us to seek Him daily, to walk and to be characterized by the great gift of Jesus and His blood that washed us clean. It is that a great gift. In James chapter 1, verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. It's a gift. Psalm 84, 11, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God is good all the time. So I'll go ahead and ask our worship team to make their way back up. As we close, and I just want to close out with one statement. We're walking in the light. We're seeking to shine the light of Christ. And the purpose is, no, don't shine that others can see you. Shine so others can see Him. Amen. Now today, that message, and maybe it, it moved you, maybe it encouraged you to recommit your, your, your life. Uh, and if that's you, don't leave here without coming to talk to me or, or Rob or, or anybody about praying with you to encourage you and if you don't know Jesus as Lord, don't leave here today. If you're being stirred, if you're, if you're being moved, come talk to me. Talk to someone before you leave here today. Let's pray about the opportunity for you to know the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, our Savior. And for all of you this week, I pray that it's a great week. I pray that it's a blessed week. I pray that you be safe. For all us teacher types that are going back to work, I pray for us. Please pray for us as well. And we just thank you from the bottom of our hearts because we need it. 
But as I close here today, I just want you to know God loves you. So do I. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.